I think particularly if you're someone that has had a history of eating disorders, I would strongly recommend that you stay away from any of the macro counting, measuring your food, getting on the scale, like even having goals like losing pounds, I think can be a really bad downward spiral for somebody that has had that history. But I also think for someone that hasn't had that history and maybe it could be something that happens, I think, again, the same things would apply. There's a huge focus around macro counting and you know, losing weight, which maybe is fine for some people, but if you find that it's become something that is so hyper-focused. If you're an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you're in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, me, Whitney Hines. Welcome to episode 31, Runner Clicks, the Passionate Runner Podcast. I am your host, Whitney Hines. I'm a lifelong runner, a certified running coach, and founder of TheMotherRunners.com, a resource for moms who run. And today we get to chat with Trisha Denardis. She is a doctor of physical therapy and an eating disorder survivor. And I asked Trisha to come on to discuss how to have a healthy relationship with food and running. Trisha is just, she's incredibly open and vulnerable and she shares her story and the lessons she's learned and she shines a light on what warning signs to look out for that may signal that you don't have a healthy relationship with food or running and then what to do next, how to take control when you are out of control. Some more about Trisha, she is a mother runner of three, ages six, four, and two. She's a doctor of physical therapy and a certified prenatal and postpartum exercise specialist and coach. She creates personalized exercise programs for prenatal and postpartum women. Trisha suffered from poor body image and eating disorders from middle school all the way through after college, and she is now gratefully in a very good place with her relationship with food, exercise, and her body. And we're gonna hear from Trisha in just a moment after this short message from our sponsor, Runner Click. If you are an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated, and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you are in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, Whitney Hines. Hey, Trisha. Hey. It's great to see you. Good to see you too. <laughs> yeah. So I finally pressed record because we've just been chatting up about all different things. And yeah, how are you? So we're recording this the week of Christmas and it's airing after Christmas. But how are you feeling with the holidays just around the corner? Are you ready? Good. It's like, you know, a sprint to the finish here, right? Yeah, and my oldest turned seven on the 23rd. So we're oh, kind of, we try to overcompensate for his birthday so it doesn't just get blended into Christmas. So we're like trying to plan a fun day for him on Friday and then go right into Christmas. The kids are off. It's cold. It is cold. Not- it's that like winter came right on time. Like it is. Yeah, we're not really used good. to that here. Like the, it's going to be eight degrees on Saturday here. I'm sure it's probably even colder in Virginia. 
I think like 10 or 12, I think is what I heard. Too cold. Yeah, I know. I'm already thinking like, okay, I do have a little bit of a long run and I'm like, should I do it earlier? Like, you know, move it two days up so that I'm running in the twenties instead of like single digits. Yeah. I I think you should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm just getting back after the marathon. So it's, you know, you have more flexibility where you can, you're just running miles. So it's like, you can just move around. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. You're sweet. What are you training for anything right now? No, so I was training for Richmond in November yes. and I've been dealing with this vestibular issue, which has been a real pain. But so I have these vertigo episodes really only when running, which is oh. stinks. So I've been running a hundred percent of my miles with the stroller because I feel comfortable, right. I guess, just you know, holding on. So it's kind of nice because I don't have anything. I have a couple of shorter things in the spring that I'm registered for, but nothing big right now. So is Chicago. It- next oh, good. Me. Oh, you got in. Chicago. Yes. So it is yeah. not what I forget what it's called, but what Kara Goucher suffers from. It is not that. No, thankfully. Yeah, it sounds awful. This is it's called vestibular hypofunction. So it has to do with my inner ear. Okay. And I have to go in for some more testing in a couple of weeks. But so I saw a vestibular PT. I've been working on some vestibular exercises that have helped because at one point I was just having this low level dizziness all the time. Oh my God. And then during runs, it's, I just get this sensation that I'm falling worse when going downhill. Yeah. It's not fun. And the third time it's happened to me and it's always the same time of year. So they think there might be like a seasonal component to it, like an allergy or something. Cause it's always during like late fall of winter, which huh. is weird. That is very yeah. strange. Right. You would think that that was the case, like there would be some sort of precedent where like they would have come encountered somebody who's had a similar issue. Yeah, I know. But you're special. And that's right. <laughs> Apparently, what I hear. Not the way that you want to be. I'm so sorry. That sounds awful. Oh, it's okay. But it's kind of forced me to, you know, kind of go with the flow a little bit more than I typically would. <laughs> and my two youngest are four and two, and they love being in the stroller. So they like, I have this weatherproof cover so I can run with them in the cold and I only have that for the single stroller, not the double. And so they've been fighting over like who gets to go with me, which is good. You know? Yes. I love how um, you're seeing the bright side of all these. Yeah, things. I'm trying. Yeah. I have my moments. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, that's great that they love the stroller because a lot of people, right. you know, their kids, once they start walking, they're like, oh, well, why would I sit here and do this? I can right. be out there with yeah. mom. Yeah. yeah any- lots of snacks. Yes. Lots of snacks. Snacks are always key. Well, I'm very similar to you that whenever these things happen, I'm like, this is a sign that I need to slow down or let go. Or like before we press record, you know, my site has been hacked and I'm like, maybe this is a sign that I need to just kind of relax and not worry about my website right now. (laughs) Right. It makes it easier to deal with, right? It does. Like there is a reason for why this, this bad thing is happening. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that. It's hard to realize what that is in the moment. <laughs> right. Yes. But yeah, usually in retrospect, we are like, oh, there were a lot of lessons gleaned or, you know, there were some good things. Okay. Well, with that said, we're going to be talking about like having a healthy relationship with running, a healthy relationship with food. I think, you know, so many runners, especially female runners, battle with having a healthy body image, especially like when you are in a season where you aren't able to run how you want to, if you're, you know, baby, postpartum, 
pregnant, injuries, vestibular issues, et cetera. So to start off, like I would just love to know more about your running background, how you got into running and how that played out for you. Yeah. And kind of like perfectly aligned with this topic, I started running when I was in eighth grade for all of the wrong reasons. And when I say wrong, it was because I wanted to be skinnier. I wanted to be smaller, which is you know, a lot of people start running in that way. They want to lose a few pounds, especially mm-hmm. after the holidays yes. resolution. But I was in eighth grade. I remember I was a dancer and I remember looking in the mirror and saying, I need to lose weight. I'm going to start running. And so the next day I went out and started running. I started getting smaller, started getting a lot of compliments. And I was never a big person, but it was, you know, around that time, puberty, adolescence, I was, you know, in that awkward of time. So I started to get smaller. People started complimenting me and I associated that immediately with the smaller I am, the better looking I am. I need to keep losing. So I got really, really thin that summer between eighth grade and freshman year and battled anorexia up and down throughout high school. Oh, wow. Lots of periods of, you know, not eating, running a lot. And then So it kind of went up and down and then I went to college. So grew up in Massachusetts, went to college in Florida and I was there for maybe three weeks, my freshman year. And I went in there thinking all I'm going to do is just study hard and run. And I would not eat and run a lot and lost a lot of weight very quickly. So I had a friend that came to visit me from a neighboring school and she was like, Trisha, like, this is not good. This is a problem called my family. And I was sent home on a flight the next day. So I spent my freshman year studying remote because they wouldn't let me stay there. I saw a, you know, a group of doctors in Boston, psychologists, registered dietitian. I can't even remember who else I saw, but And I, there was a stipulation that I could not return to school unless I gained a certain amount of weight. And the medical doctor that I work with knew that I, while I was using running as a, you know, incorrect tool, I really enjoyed it. And she knew that I did. So she would bribe me with running. If you gain one pound by the next time I see you next week, then I'll let you run a quarter of a mile. And okay. So as opposed to a lot of women, you know, they're going through, eating disorder treatments and they are like, can't, they're not allowed to do any exercise. She was kind of smart because she knew like how to get me to work with her. So I got to a healthy point by the next year that I could return to school. And then I kind of went down again, but I hit it. If my parents came to visit, I would wear really heavy clothes. So they couldn't see that I was so small, started training for marathons. And that was actually kind of an upswing in my recovery because I quickly discovered that if I wasn't eating, I wouldn't, I couldn't perform. There's no way I could go out for a 20 mile run if I wasn't eating or I get injured, I would feel like crap. So that was a really good, you know, upward momentum. And there was lots of ups and up and downs mm-hmm. throughout all the time, but starting to train for marathons was a big light bulb that, you know, you need to fuel your body. So. A lot of me and my eating disorders was definitely associated with rapid change, you know, going from Massachusetts to Florida where I didn't know anyone in school that definitely set a trigger with me not treating my body very well. And then the same, when I graduated from college, my parents had moved to Virginia. So I went from basically Miami to Chesterfield, Virginia, where there's nothing around, no one I knew. And then I kind of went down 
itself again. And then my cousin signed me up for a marathon training team. And again, it was like, okay, running, I've got to start fueling my body well. So it was a lot of up and downs. And I think the biggest change for me was when I started to have kids, because when I got pregnant with my first, I, I wasn't about me anymore. Mm -hmm. So I knew I still want to be active and it like, I can't not fuel my body when I'm growing another human. So there was definitely times, you know, through pregnancy and postpartum, I'm not going to say that I was completely thrilled with the body changes because it was a lot for me, especially someone that was used to having so much of a sense of control over my body and what it looked like for so much of my life during pregnancy. Obviously you don't have control, which can be good for a lot of us type A runners. But yeah, so getting pregnant, I have three kids. So for me, it's so important that I am setting a very good example for them. You know, I don't diet. I don't talk poorly about my body in front of them in period. I do think there's a lot to be said about what you're saying out loud, mm. whether you're around anyone or not. I want to be that example that fueling your body running. It's like, do it because you love it. Not because you're trying to punish yourself. Yeah. So that's kind of my, so I don't think I realized that like, this was still something that you battled with up until like when you became pregnant, like it was still, I mean, and, and I know, I mean, so many people like, I mean, you can say that you are recovered, but you're never, it's never truly gone. Like it's always right. back there rooted in your thoughts and it comes out at like the strangest times too. But usually yeah. it's like when you're starting to feel like you're losing control or you need a sense yeah. of control. Yeah. Yeah. And someone put that in a very good perspective for me at one time, because I think they asked like, what, why do you need to restrict or over-exercise or overcompensate for what you ate? And I said, because, you know, I like that control. But if you flip it around, when you are restricting or over-exercising, you're totally out of control. It's the disorder or whatever, having can complete control of you. So, and as somebody that is a control freak, I didn't like that. Right. Well, it can't have control of me. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's so, that's so true because it is a slippery slope because it's like, oh, well, if I run eight miles today, running 10 miles is even better or like only eating yes. this amount, eating mm -hmm. less is even better. Sort of like it gets out of, it right. easily gets out of control. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it, was, it definitely, I went through kind of ups and downs, really middle school, high school, college, and then after college. And then I think I started to make a turn for the better when I met my husband. He's like extremely active, but he was not going to put up with my crap. <laughs> so when he would see that I was obsessing about the scale, he'd hide the scale. Like, and you know, really not in a way that I took offense to, but it was like, oh yeah, like I should probably listen to this guy. He seems pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like you've had like a common thread throughout your journey has been like people, you know, your friend in college, this therapist mm -hmm. that you worked with, your husband, like leaning, being vulnerable and allowing other people in to help you with this. Right. Yeah. Cause it is a very isolating thing to go through, even though so many people are more vocal about it now than certainly they were when I was really dealing with it. I feel like when you're in it, you feel so alone. And so letting people in, and for me, it definitely helped more so with people that had been through it because 
otherwise it's like, you don't know what I've, what I'm going through, you know? Yeah. I'm very fortunate to have had people that have been so helpful in this for sure. So how does it like, what would you say are, for lack of a better term, like warning signs of that, that that's the direction you're heading in? Because this time of year, lots of people are like, oh, I need to lose 10 pounds or I need to lose, you know, the weight from the Christmas cookies I've been eating every day. And so then they start, you know, counting their calories or their macros or trying to exercise more. And that for many people can easily, you know, go into the danger zone. So like mm-hmm. what like kind of self-awareness should somebody have to know that they're doing it in a healthy manner that's good for their body rather than like punishing both their body and their mind. Yeah, sure. I think particularly if you're someone that has had a history of eating disorders, I would strongly recommend that you stay away from any of the macro counting, measuring your food, getting on the scale, like even having goals like losing pounds, I think can be a really bad downward spiral for somebody that has had that history. But I also think for someone that hasn't had that history and maybe it could be something that happens, I, again, the same things would apply. I, there's a huge focus around macro counting and, you know, losing weight, which maybe is fine for some people. But if you find that it's become something that is so hyper-focused and you're always thinking about your food, you're always thinking about exercise and it's starting to impact your family life, your social life. If you're saying, I can't go out to dinner because I'm on this diet. Well, like you can, yeah, (laughs) because it's, that's not the end of the world. I don't think you should ever implement things in your life that you can't for your whole life. You know, people are big on the keto. Like, are you really not going to eat a carb the rest of your life? That's how I (laughs) like that's it. I mean, that is a great tip that, I mean, it does need to be sustainable. And like, if you are going to cut out whatever for 30 days or however long, like you do realize that you can't do that for the rest of your life. So when you stop, you are going to gain back weight. Exactly. Yeah. And your body's going to be like, what the heck is happening? Right. Yeah. And I feel like something that I've realized with myself is that I always had goals of being, you know, like lean and cut and having muscle. And those things didn't really happen until I stopped focusing on it so much. When I start shifted and started focusing on the priority of fueling my body so I can do the things I wanted it to do, my body just got to a happy place where it's like, okay, she's feeding me the right things. She's not over-exercising to the point where I'm just burnt out. So like it kind of just happens as a side effect or an after effect. When you stop prioritizing the aesthetics and you start focusing on just being nice to your body and moving it in a way that makes you feel good, eating in a way that makes you feel good. Yeah. So how do you think, like, can you remember what happened for you to arrive there? Yeah, you're nodding your head like you do remember. I was going to try to like lead you into it and try to spark those memories, but. Yeah, so it definitely was a long, I feel like there was like a little bit of progress here and there over a long, like I'm not going to pretend that I'm even close to perfect and I still have my moments of freak outs and like anyone else, like when I first figured out this vestibular issue, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't run as much. Like, do I need to change what I'm eating? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no, I don't. Yes, <laughs> yes. Right, you know, and I feel like 
to touch on that, like if you are injured, that's the time when you need to be almost hyper-focused to eat more. And so your body can heal itself. So, but so there was definitely like little bits of progress here and there. Throwing away my scale was a huge monument milestone <laughs> for me because then I had to start being more in tune of how my body was feeling and not depriving myself because of what the number on the scale says. So that was really big for me. And it took me a little while, like, because I, you know, I would get back from a run and if I was a couple pounds up, then I wouldn't eat. Well, if I get back and I don't have a scale to jump on, like I'm just going to eat because I don't, it doesn't matter what the number is. And then, you know, I definitely jumped on some trend, like intermittent fasting and things mm -hmm. that people were promoting as really healthy. But for me, it was not <laughs> like just going extended periods of time. So when I decided after my third child that I really wanted to get back into marathoning, I wanted to go all in and I knew that I couldn't do that unless I was focusing on fueling during runs, after runs, before runs, you know, all the time. And I feel like that once again, running was a big shift for me with making myself, you know, really listen to my body with, you know, intentionally. And what's the intuitive eating is how I think I would apply what, like, you know, what I do, but also I feel like running and marathon running in particular, there's a huge portion of that because, you know, a lot of us were running a lot and you're not as hungry, but so you have to kind of force yourself to be eating. Yeah. And I think it can be kind of tricky. Like if you go from struggling with food to then running, that can easily be like, okay, you're just replacing, you know, kind of an unhealthy relationship with food than with running. So, and most people learn, unfortunately, the hard way, you know, that if you don't feel well, then you're not going to perform well, you're going to face injuries, you're going to face illness, overtraining syndrome, etc. Do you have like what I know you said that like you noticed quickly that your performance suffered if you weren't feeling well. What else helped you like make sure that it wasn't just like a, you know, like a switcheroo of, you know, watching what you eat and then watching how much you run? Sure. In terms of like running, like, okay, I'm not, I'll, I'm eating, but now I'll just run a lot. Is that correct? Yes. And yeah, like um, keeping track of, okay, like lots of, I mean, I think lots of people may like, be automatically doing those calculations. Like, okay, well, I ran this much. This is how many calories I burned. So I only want to eat this much so that I have this deficit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like this was something that I really have just gotten better about within the past two years. Because even before that, I was very much doing that after so long. I mean, I'll be 40 this year. Mm -hmm. So over half of my life was spent counting calories, weighing my, you know, so it is very, like you said, it's, it'll always be a part of me, but it's something that I need to be in control of and not let it control me in terms of that kind of stuff. But I think, yeah, it's not an overnight fix. No. And if you find that you are only running for those reasons to burn off calories, to compensate for something you ate or to make up for something you'll eat later, that's a red flag right there that you should rethink what you're doing. Yes. If you are running because you want to be strong, you have fun, like you love going out with your friends and running, you love to train for races, like 
that passion needs to be there more for the joy of what your body can do more so than I need to run to lose weight. I need to, yeah, overcompensate for food intake. I don't think those are normal thoughts. So that, yeah, those are definitely things that need to be addressed. Thank you. That's really helpful. I I think that will help a lot of people just knowing that just what the motivation is behind it. Like it's to me, I view like lots of times, like the wanting to lose weight is the gateway to running. And then so many people fall in love with running for different reasons. And then it's like the fact that you did lose weight or, you know, finally achieve like the body that you want. That's a fringe benefit. Exactly. So today when it creeps up on you, do you have, what do you do to help yourself from going down that path again? Yeah. And this is pretty fresh because I just had to go through this when I had trained all summer really hard to run the Richmond Marathon and then started having these vertigo episodes and couldn't figure out what was going on. Initially, I thought, hey, maybe it is I'm not fueling enough. So then I was just like driving home, hydration, food, and even that, you know, Eventually, I got the diagnosis with the vestibular dysfunction, but I really have to be extremely intentional on picking up on anything that I'm doing. Like if I'm even thinking that I need to be over exercising or not eating enough, it's like just really an internal battle or, and kind of hugely important, I will tell my husband exactly how I'm feeling because then he can be more aware of anything that I'm doing, you know? And he's very quick to tell me, you know, you need to chill out or like, you need a second helping. (laughs) And you listen to him, you don't like. Yeah. I mean, I am stubborn to the max, but I do. I'm not afraid to admit when I am totally wrong. (laughs) And he is. And you know, it's coming like, you know, that it's rooted in a place of love coming from him. Right. So does he ever pick up on cues that you don't even realize that you're doing? Like if you're in kind of a vulnerable, stressed out state? Yeah, because I am someone like if I love to run because I'm a mom of three kids Uh and it calms me down because I am not a chill person (laughs) by any means, particularly with three young kids. So if I'm like, okay, I just need to like hammer out this workout. And sometimes I don't even notice I'm like going like, hard like every day and he's like you need to calm down like <laughs> here's some wine <laughs> right and it was a good a rude awakening with this whole mess of vestibular issue that I need another outlet because like I can't run by myself I have to be holding a stroller right now to run confidently and it's just while it's awesome it's not the same no as yeah you know, there's something to be being by yourself <laughs> No true words by a mom have ever been spoken. It's so, that is so true. Yes. I did realize when I was injured for 10,000 years that I do enjoy walking. It's not the same, obviously, as running, but it is like more of a calming type. It's not like you don't get to rage walk, you know, you don't get to rage out when you're running, when you're walking, but it is like, oh, you can look at the pretty trees and the houses. Are you able to walk right now or does it, do you get dizzy spells walking? Um, I can, but the problem is like, I don't have enough alone time to right. be yes. able to at this moment in my life. And when I put the girls in a stroller, they don't like to walk in the stroller. Right. Yes. 
So it's like, we want to go faster. You need to go, you need to move. Like I want to get out. If they're running, they're totally fine. But yeah, like I try to get into yoga. I really do. And with my personality, I should be somebody that gets more into meditation and yoga. (laughs) So you just need to keep doing your beach body. Like that's a good outlet for you. I'm always amazed (laughs) by how like you have all the kids in there. You're all in there doing it together. My daughter has taken over my pull-up because she keeps trying to set new like Guinness Book of World Records for an eight-year-old that can hang from the bar. So she's hung from it like two days ago for 35 minutes. And she recorded herself. (laughs) She recorded herself doing it. And she even took her sweatshirt off while she was hanging from the pull-up bar. That's impressive. It is very impressive. Yeah, like what's the? Problem? I have no. I don't know. Like she's asked Alexa, and I think Alexa said that a seven-year-old set the record with twelve minutes. And I need to investigate what we actually need to do to like submit her to be. I don't know, but yeah. So now the bar is no longer mine, but it is fun. Like you know, when I'm in there doing pull-up, or I have it in the playroom. So when I'm doing pull-ups and stuff, like they always want to get involved in the mix, and then the workout just becomes theirs. And I'm just like fetching things for them and moving these around. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess this isn't happening for me right now. Right. Right. (laughs) Kids help humble you for sure. So I'm curious how you ate like teaching your kids, like how to eat healthy without labeling foods as good and bad. And because I feel like that is such a tricky minefield to walk. Like even I try to be very in the way that I speak about food but even still it's like it still permeates somehow like my daughter learns that a neighbor is only allowed to eat one treat a day so then she was like very strict on limiting herself to one treat a day and then constantly asking me like how many treats has she had that day and other people are around hearing this conversation I'm like I swear this is not coming from me you know but it just like works its way in somehow it's very hard I feel like it's very hard to like teach them you know, that it's okay to eat cookies and, but yeah, you you don't want to overdo it. Like, I know it's so hard. Yeah. And I, especially with daughters Yes, and I know it can affect men just as equally, but I am hypersensitive because I don't want them to go through what I did. And like you said, there's only so much that we can control because they have friends and, you know, other families that maybe aren't quite (laughs) sensitive, but I'm the same as you. I don't like to label foods as good or bad. You know, there's treats and pretty much practicing everything in moderation. Like my kids have been off for a couple of days now and there's definitely a lot of Christmas treats around, but they kind of notice they're like yesterday. My son had, you know, a bunch of sugar mm-hmm. and his stomach hurt at the end of the day. Like he was at our next door neighbors having lots of hot chocolate and marshmallows and I'm totally fine. Like my thing with them is, okay, you can eat the treats, but you still have to eat the good stuff too. Yes. Because you put too much sugar in your body, your body just doesn't like it and it doesn't make you feel good. And he saw that yesterday when his stomach was hurting him. Right. Isn't that like, um, the, that's the perfect situation I feel like is they learn from the natural consequences of their choices. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So I don't like to, I don't say that they can't have anything. And I think I used to be a little bit more strict when they were really little, you know, making homemade baby foods and not letting them have anything processed. And I'm like, well, whatever. All of our kids are going to be licking dirt off the bottom of their shoes. (laughs) They can have a little shirt. So 
But yeah, I think it's like mainly in the wording and also just showing them like, hey, mom can eat chocolate too. Like, I don't want them to think like, sure, I can say like, you can have treats and stuff, but I kind of have to show them that yeah, I can eat it. No. Yes. Because they're growing up around somebody that's like hyper focused. And that's why I don't like, I'll never get into the macro counting or yeah, like any of that, because then that's for your kids see. You know, no offense against anyone that's big into macro counting, right. but like, I don't want my kids to be like, oh, okay, there's only 10 grams of carbs in this. Like I, I can eat this today. Like that is just, is messed up to me. Yeah. Anytime I've talked to any nutritionist who has like started to go down that path and recommend that to me, I'm like, no, I can't, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. And I can't do that because yeah. Right. Yeah. I and mean, then food, it's meant to be enjoyed. Right. So right. There's no sense depriving yourself of things that are fun. Yes. I was like, my daughter the other day commented that like, she's like, all you, all I see you doing is you run and you eat and you work when you're not like playing with us. And I was like, yep, that's pretty accurate. She's like, every time I see you, you're either eating or working or cleaning or I'm like, yep, that's true. And I was really proud when they ran their little turkey trot. And like my daughter was like, I need to make sure I eat carbs before, you know, I need my fuel before I go run. And it's like, oh, so proud of you right now. Yes. Good job, mom. <laughs> it's like that does that is so helpful too. And I do the same with my kids. Like they were they did this healthy kids running series. And I was like, You guys have like, yeah, like you have to eat your carbs. Your carbs will give you so much energy. It's yeah, I think it's good to just like word it in a way that food is fuel. Like yeah, your body food. needs it. Yes. I think that's like the most helpful thing about running is that it does help switch your viewpoint of food as it is fuel and it's not a reward. It's what your body needs. But when running is taken away, it is very hard because then, at least for me personally, then those like thoughts creep back in that, I mean, the whole like, well, you have to earn your food. So Right. You know, it's like, I'm not running very much right now and I'm still incredibly hungry and like even mm-hmm. more hungry than when, you know, I'm running lots of miles and those little thoughts creep back in and I just like turn them off and I'm just like, no, right. I'm, not, exactly. I'm not going there. Food is fuel and your body is still doing lots and lots of things, even if you're not running lots. Exactly. In addition to looking at running as a way to burn calories, are there any other like red flags that you may need to change your relationship with running or food? For instance, like if you do fear taking a rest day or just like any, you know, or if you can't get in like a certain, like if you are stuck to, okay, I have to do this every day you know, run this amount of miles or lift this much every, you know, what kind of red flags have you like from your experience or other people's experiences have you picked up on? Yeah, definitely. Those are big ones like fearing like what will happen if I don't run today. I think if it's affecting the way that you feel, like if you're constantly feeling run down, if you're really irritable all the time, if you are avoiding social situations because you need to work out instead. And I know I used to do this. Like I wouldn't go out to dinner or whatever because I was running instead. Mm -hmm. If you're, yeah, that, I mean, that's a sign. It's probably a little bit more of an unhealthy obsession. And I think listening to people and when they're talking to you and 
if they're saying like this, you need to tone it down. There's probably going to be some truth to that. If it's from someone that really knows you, not strangers on the internet, (laughs) but yeah, I feel like if it's affecting your sleep again, yeah, the irritability thing I think is huge. If you're like constantly feeling irritable because your body is just run down, then that's a good red flag right there. Or irritable Um, because like you didn't, eat what you wanted to eat that day, you know, or you ate a cookie and now you're feeling bad about it or you didn't get to run. You only ran four miles when you were set. You typically run 10 every day or something like that. Right. Yeah. Or like, and knowing like if you eat a cookie, it's not in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to affect you at all. So there's no reason to think even if you had five cookies that you have to overcompensate by running 10 miles the next day. If you're getting into that mindset like, oh, well, I ate this yesterday, so I have to do X, Y, Z today. And that's kind of a sign. Like, that, yeah, It happened yesterday. Maybe you ate five cookies then. Your body will kind of naturally adjust to, okay, maybe we're, I'm not as hungry today, but you don't need to deprive yourself. Like, don't force that. Yes, I think that's a good point. Like, just if you're doing that mental, that mental math or like the, mm-hmm. just always kind of have that equation in your head, that's a sign. And yeah, I think you bring up a good point too, that like, if it doesn't align with your priorities, like if you are, or your values, like your values are your family and you're missing out on family time because you're running extra miles because you ate extra cookies or whatever it is, like that is also a sign that something needs to change. And so if he's listening to this and they're like, ooh, that sounds like me, what would your suggestion be to them? Because I have to imagine, like, I know people helped you. What would be, like, what would be the steps that they should take? I think working with a registered dietitian is huge. And if you're a runner, like someone that is certified to work with runners, like a sports dietitian, (laughs) just get us a little bit more, but also reaching out to someone to talk to you, like on the mental side, whether that is professional. And I know, I don't know the website off the top of my head, but there is like an eating disorder website that has like counselors that you can talk to. For me, I actually always got more help from talking to other people that had been through it and were on the other side. I never did well with psychologists and probably just because of the ones that I saw had never been through it. So it was more so a dietitian that I worked with who had been anorexic and she just got me. So Mm -hmm. I think having that connection with someone, whether they're a clinical psychologist or a registered dietitian or, you know, a really good friend who is in a good place, not someone that's in the trenches because then you just drag each other down yeah yeah that's a really good point too making sure that the person has been through it and has gone is out of it yeah we've had a couple of registered dietitians that on the show that work with people suffering from eating disorders so megan robinson and amy stevens if anybody's listening those would be two good sports dietitians i know i had my friend on who is an elite runner and she suffered from eating disorders and she talked about it a little bit and she like you said that you were rewarded with running she was allowed to it gave her a sense of control to measure her food And that like let her know that it was like she was still like in a safe space and okay, but she was eating and that like helped Mm -hmm. her kind of bridge over to the healthier side. Yeah. 
That was something that they had me do too when I worked with a dietitian. Yeah, because I definitely wasn't eating enough. So when she was like, no, one serving is, you know, a full cup of whatever it was. I'm like, oh, yeah, (laughs) really can be kind of eye opening if you use it in the correct way, you know? Well, yeah. And you would think that like when she told me that I was surprised because I thought, well, I mean, that's kind of where people like it is sort of the danger zone to be like, you know, constantly counting what you're eating and measuring. But this was like, okay, this is making sure you have enough. And then. I think she, when she starts to feel stressed out and feel like she's going in that direction, she brings the measuring cups back out again to just kind of help her. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It is good. Is there anything we didn't talk about? Any nuggets of wisdom you didn't get to share? Else you could think of? Any questions? I'm looking at my notes. No, I think you shared a lot of really good tips. And I think it's just like the most important piece is to be very like introspective and self-aware of what your motivation is behind these things. Like, you know, why are you feeling like you need to control what you're eating or why do you feel like you need to run X amount? Like, what are you afraid of? I know what helped me and I struggled with an eating disorder in the past. It was never diagnosed, but like I clearly had issues and it pops back up. And when I was struggling with injury and I couldn't do, I couldn't even cross train. It was very hard, but what helped me was I faced my fear. Like I gained weight. Nobody loved me less. Nothing changed in my life. I didn't Mm -hmm. like hate the way I looked in the mirror. You know, obviously like I saw it and it bothered me and there were days where I felt gross, but in the grand scheme of things, as you say, like it wasn't the end of the world. Everything was okay. And like, once I was able to start running again, everything regulated and it was fine. And it's the same, like if you have to gain weight because you're growing a human, like I think just like having the appreciation and the trust in your body to know that it knows what it needs to do. Exactly. Give it, and then it's not forever. Right. You know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, with anything, like if you're whatever tough spot you're in, like just, I, it is always important to know that it's not forever. It is a season, yeah. no matter what it is. And like, you know, when I was injured, like I did talk to the first registered dietitian told me, she was like, you need to count everything that you're eating. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be working with you, but (laughs) I know I could, but like knowing, you know, well, okay, my body does need all these nutrients to heal the injury that I'm dealing with. And so just like knowing that there is a reason why you are so hungry or just knowing that your body still needs nutrients, even if it's not to run, but to do other things like helped me as well. Yeah. And if you look around, like people that are not in the running community, there's plenty of really fit people that don't run. So, <laughs> just realizing that you don't have to run to be to fit. Run. Yeah. That's okay, true. Right? Yes. A lot of people hate running. <laughs> it's like, that is yeah, very true. Like, as we get into New Year's resolutions and you're coming up with these resolutions for the new year, really question your motives behind them. If you are saying, okay, I'm going to lose 10 pounds this year for what? Like what's it because if you truly need to, because it's a health reason. Yeah. Or is it because you feel like you'd be happier at a certain size? Because I know from my point of view, I was probably the most miserable I was in my entire life when I was the smallest because it was just a constant thought. And I was probably one of the happiest in my life when I was super pregnant and not 
like I was when I was right. Small. Yes. No. I mean, I think back on. So I started having issues when I was in the morning newscaster in Charlottesville, Virginia. And, you know, I had to go in at work at midnight and I just felt like, I think I felt like my life was out of control. And so that's kind of like, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be in a different, I mean, I love Charlottesville, but I wanted to be in a different city. And, you know, I just was working vampire hours. And I remember like, I, we had a chef come on the show and as the anchor, like I was supposed to eat everything that they were making. And I would eat, put, you know, pretend to eat it or take a bite. And then I would run to the bathroom, like on the commercial break and spit it out. Yeah. And like, I totally forgot about that until now, but like it consumed my thought. And then I stressed about like, oh my gosh, how many extra calories did I get in? And yeah, it's like, it's always there, like always there. And if you made a mistake, if you didn't measure up, you, I mean, you just like hated yourself until you felt like you, you know, you worked it off or you punished yourself enough. I mean, it's, you're right. Like, and I was very, very thin and I was also the most miserable I have ever been in my entire life. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Imagine (laughs) how that works out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's so important to know that the priority should be really loving yourself no matter what size you are, because that part of you will be the same no matter what size you are. You're still going to be you. Mm -hmm. So it won't make happier to be three sizes smaller if you don't like who you are right now from the inside. 100%. And like, and that's another, like running can empower you so much. And yes, it can slip into, you know, being unhealthy or dangerous, but running when you have a healthy relationship, like it does focus on what your body can do and the appreciation for what your body can do, not what does it look like. And For the record, when I went and watched the Olympic trials in Atlanta, when I was running CIM and I was dying at the end and I had all these women passing me, like they, I mean, it was people of all shapes and sizes who were like these amazing runners. You know, it's not all the like super thin, lanky bodies that are fast. Like it is bodies of all shapes and sizes. And so obviously in this sport, like people think that there's quote unquote, a runner's body and to be a good runner, you have to look a certain way. And that is just frankly not true. Right. I know. It's amazing. Really. (laughs) I love that. It's like that. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. And I love that. Like that's becoming like that myth is going away. I think, you know, lots of people on Instagram are doing it. And I think they're starting to succeed and challenging that, you know, you do need to fuel your body to perform. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having this open, honest conversation. I always love chatting with you. And I always love your Instagram because it is you're just a real person. I always appreciate real people. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I'm so excited to have been on here with you today. Thank you. Yeah. One day I will make it to Virginia and we'll have to yes. have, let me know when you're in Charlottesville next time. Yes. That's like an hour. Yes. We typically go like a, in February and we need to go back because I miss my old like newscaster friends are still there and I they're like brothers to me and I haven't seen them in a little while. So we're definitely due back. So I will let you know and we can meet up. That would be amazing. And hopefully you're able to run by then. And if not, like we can go on a stroller run or something. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope that you have a wonderful holiday season. And oh, before we go, can you let everybody know where they can find you on Instagram? 
Yes, you can find me at Burpees and Burp Cloths on Instagram. Such a clever name. You're going to have to have another baby just to keep that going. <laughs> You're like, no. Three is good. Three is good. I, and what are the ages I, again? Seven, five, and three? Yeah, so my son will be seven on Friday and then four and two. Four and two. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little nuts. Yeah, that is definitely a little nuts. No wonder you need to run. <laughs> I understand. I totally understand. All right. Well, have a wonderful holiday season, and it was great seeing you. You too. Thanks, Whitney. Thank you so much, Trisha, and thank you all for listening to The Passionate Runner. You can find the full show notes for every episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any of the resources we mentioned at runnerclick.com slash podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash thepassionaterunner. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.